MSW Media. Hey everybody, this is Ed Kowalczyk from the band Live, and you're listening right now to the second best voice from Pennsylvania. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill, it's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking, but this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Welcome to the show. Coming up in two shakes of a lamb's tail. We'll be talking with uh, Kendall Jackson winemaker Randy Ullum. Kendall Jackson is celebrating its 40th anniversary this year. And Randy celebrating his 25th harvest with the team. This is just exciting and, uh, you know, a legend. By the way, the earliest known publication of the idiom in two shakes of a lamb's tail was in a, a book called Ingoldsby Legends by Richard Barham. It was back in 1840. The expression's probably older than that. Surely it is. And, and nobody really knows the full etymology, but that's, that's where it was first published. And I bring this up because I think it's important that if you're hanging out in bars a lot, that your head is full of trifles like this, like conversation starters. Stuff that you can pull out of your ass and impress people over drinks. Like, oh... I see you just grabbed a handful of bar snacks. Is that Chex Mix? Did you know that the recipe was created by the Ralston Perina Company in the early 1950s so they could move boxes of their signature cereals, wheat checks and rice checks? True story, yeah. So you want to go bone in the bathroom stall now? Anyway. If you're listening uh, the day this podcast dropped, Tuesday, November 8th, I should mention that I'm also on the Adam Carolla show today doing uh, one of my regular segments. This one's about vodka. I've got uh, several great vodkas I featured there. Castra Elion, Neft, Double Cross. If you want to hear that tomfoolery, check out the Carolla show. It's also election day, and I uh, urge you to get out and vote. There are some dark forces at work in this country that are actively trying to thwart democracy. I'm sure of it. I see it. I read the news every day. We got to stand up to that shit. Seriously. This election feels more important than most. For instance, you know, like I said, we got Randy from Kendall Jackson coming up. KJ is one of America's biggest and most prestigious wine producers. Well, guess what? I just read a piece in Harper's that had the headline, Severe Drought and Extreme Heat Pose a New Threat to Wine Production. You can bet your ass Randy's thinking about that threat. And any big wine lover should be thinking about that threat too. You got to vote for people who take climate change seriously. Your wine will go away. Got to vote for policies and politicians that have these, promote policies are going to combat it rather than make it worse. It is getting worse. Look around. Fire. Brimstone. What is brimstone? That's meaningless trivia for the next episode. 
Uh, on a more upbeat note, the next episode after this one will be our 200th episode. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. No, Jackie. Please, stop, stop. We're going to have several special guests on that program. Take a look back at some of the key moments the past two and a half years we've been doing what we're drinking with Dan Dunn, and hopefully a good time will be had by all. Okay. Be talking with Randy shortly. But curious quaffers cannot stand Pat on wine alone. You know this. You gotta try it all. There's so much wonderful stuff in the world. Explore it, experience, expand your hooch horizons. Are you ready to do that, my friends? Are you ready? I got you covered. This is Drinks of the Week. Drinks, drinks, drinks of the week. Drinks, drinks, drinks of the week. Drinks, drinks, drinks of the week. It's what we're drinking with Dan Dunn's. Drinks of the week. Jazz hands. First up, we got Garrison Brothers 2022 Cowboy Bourbon. Garrison Brothers. Oh, I love me some Garrison Brothers. The first legal whiskey distillery in Texas and this Cowboy Bourbon is, it's probably their most esteemed, certainly their most coveted expression. I know the collectors are out there going crazy for this stuff. This is the eighth annual release of it. Clocks in at 134.8 proof. Don't operate any heavy machinery after that, okay? You want tasting notes? Yeah, I got your tasting notes right here. Smells like newly tanned leather on a bed of fresh jasmine. We all know that smell, right? Well, think about it. Think about tanned leather and then think about fresh jasmine. Put them together and there you have it. Wonderful. On the palate, you're going to get dark chocolate, some pepper, brown sugar, a little molasses in there. The crazy thing is on the finish, I got root beer. Root beer. And I love root beer. Love it. Each bottle comes in a wood gift box lined with satin. Very fancy. There's a medallion around the bottle's neck. It's emblazoned with the year 2022. Only 8,600 bottles of this went on sale, and it went on sale oh, six weeks ago. My guess is it's selling fast. So if you want it, if you want that Garrison Brothers 2022 Cowboy Bourbon, go get it. Uh, suggested retail price is $250. So you better be serious about your whiskey if you're going to spend that kind of money. But I, I recommend it, or else it wouldn't be here on Drinks of the Week. Also, Went to a fun event in Malibu recently on the Malibu Pier, and one of the uh, sponsors of the event was uh, Humboldt Distillery. Not a sponsor of this show, but a sponsor of that event that I went to, and I got to try the Humboldt Distillery Certified Organic Vodka, and I uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, Humboldt Distillery is located in Humboldt County. That's just a gorgeous region up in Northern California. I highly recommend you check that out if you can. Uh, The distillery is just surrounded. A beautiful, undeveloped coastline up there. Old growth redwood forests. It's splendid. Well, that hit the spot. Humboldt Vodka is distilled from American sugar cane. It's non-GMO, 80 proof. Uh, When you taste it, it's got a really pleasant mix of vanilla and citrus going on. It's a delicate, clean mouthfeel. It's a great sipping vodka, but also very mixable. And in fact, I tried that out. I made a drink. I found it on their website. I found the recipe and I made it here at the... uh, 
at what we're drinking headquarters. It was uh, an ounce. It's called the recipe calls for an ounce and a half of this Humboldt organic bag. I go two ounces. Don't don't try to stop me. Don't keep me at one and a half. I want to be at two. Two ounces, five basil leaves, three strawberries, and three ounces of lemonade. And then, uh, you know, you put a little club soda also. But you add the strawberries, basil, and the vodka to a pint glass. You muddle it up. You add the ice and lemonade. Stir it. Top it with the club soda. The Lost Coast Lemonade, it's called. A great drink. Uh, And you want to get that Humboldt Distillery Certified Organic Vodka is only $19 a bottle. Damn, that's a deal. Or a steal. Or a deal, steal. Steal, steal, deal, deal. I'll stop now. Sorry. (laughs) All right, those are the drinks of the week. I invite you to go out, get them, try them, love them, and remember, enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. Enjoy yourself while you're still in the pink. The years go by as quickly as a wink. Enjoy yourself, enjoy yourself, it's later than you think. The dictionary defines fresh as recently made or obtained, not canned, frozen, or otherwise preserved. That same dictionary defines victor as one that defeats an enemy or opponent. This is fitting because when you combine the words fresh and victor, you get a line of all-natural, clean-label cocktail mixers that kicks all the other mixers' asses. Fresh Victor is like the Liam Neeson of mixers. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Well, if great taste could kill, then damn right, Liam Neeson. Fresh Victor features eight unique blends with contemporary flavors designed to suit any palate. All of the ingredients are fair trade sourced. There's no artificial anything. The mixers are produced at a 100% solar-powered juicing plant with absolutely no waste. Right now, Fresh Victor is offering a deal to my listeners that should be taken immediately simply go to freshvictor.com fill up your shopping cart and at checkout enter promo code wwd20 to get 20 percent off your order now's the time to treat yourself to the very best mixers on the market and that's fresh victor anything you'd like to add liam neeson i told you i would find you god he's so badass Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. What, you don't like my singing voice? Whatever. I don't want to be singing about rum anyway. I'd rather be drinking it. When I'm home alone on my couch dressed up like a pirate, my go-to rum is Batiste. Batiste rum is the first sustainable American craft rum. It's the only known beverage alcohol in the world to have a climate-positive natural production process without the purchase of carbon offsets. Or Cardi B's offset, for that matter. Though I love to dance to his music when I'm all rummed up and dressed like a pirate. Batiste rum is made from 100% pure fresh cane juice, not molasses or sugar crystals. If you like your tequila 100% agave, then you'll love your rum 100% cane juice. And right now, if I got a couple of offers for you, dear listener, go to BatisteRum.com. That's B-A-T-I-S-T-E-R-H-U-M.com. Fill up your shopping cart and enter code 
code WWD15 at checkout to get 15% off all your orders. And if you want their delicious reserve rum, enter code RESERVE, you get 20% off. That's cold hard cash. Batiste rum is my jam. Make it yours too. It's proof that great taste with true sustainability is not a goal for tomorrow, but a reality today. If you ask me, the word legend is used a little too liberally in the media when it comes to describing people who excel in various pursuits. But when it comes to today's guest, I think the label is most definitely appropriate. And that's not just my opinion. Oh, no. The August publication, Wine Enthusiast, just announced this week that they will be honoring him as an American wine legend at their upcoming 23rd annual Wine Star Awards in January. He is the head winemaker at the iconic American winery, Kendall Jackson. It's a real pleasure to welcome Randy Ullum to the show. Randy! Hey there, how are you? It's good to meet you, man. I've uh, I have been a fan of your wares for many years. I've Thrown back a lot of KJ in my day, and I uh, thank you for that, for the delicious. We appreciate that and appreciate you for that. Uh, keeps us going. Well, this is a big thing for you, right? I mean, you just found out this week, right? The uh, American legend thing? Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's, it's huge. I'm still in shock and awe and can't believe it. Uh, just uh, I'm beside myself. <laughs> it's a, it's a, quite a surprise. And quite an honor, of course. It's been a journey, right? You joined you joined Kendall Jackson back in 1993, correct? That is right. And therefore, this is my, I just completed 29 years and my 30th harvest with them. And where were you before Kendall Jackson? I worked at Deloach Vineyards, also in Sonoma County for about 12 years or so. I guess I should tee that up since you just you did you did just bring that up. So everybody knows about about Kendall Jackson. It is uh, as I mentioned, it's been uh, around for a while. Jess Jackson was an iconic figure in the in the a seminal figure in the American winemaking landscape. Uh, Jess passed away. I get ten years ago. God, has it been that long? Yeah, 10, yeah. 10, 10 years and change. Yeah. So he yep. he founded uh, the winery back in nineteen eighty two. And they re- what really kind of put put the, him on the map was the the Reserve Chardonnay, right? Exactly. That's what that was the first wine he made. The very first case was sold at the uh, Grand Central Terminal Oyster Bar. So it's only appropriate Chardonnay, oysters, lobster, crab, all that good stuff. That's right. And that was bad. I think that would have been what, like uh, nine eighty three or something that that happened when they served yeah, that one. 80, 80, I believe 82, uh, but roughly 40 years ago. Wasn't the other, I think one of the other big things that happened too, didn't the, the Reagans, when they were in the White House, Nancy Reagan took a, took a shine to the wines? Yeah, she liked it. <laughs> Being from California, how could you not? And Herb Cain, the, the uh, late great uh, columnist up in San Francisco, dubbed it Nancy's Wine. Exactly, right. So that's yeah. that's some good publicity right there when the, when you've got the uh, first family quaffing your wine, <laughs> right? Yeah. Brings a smile to all of us for sure. So you're in Sonoma. Uh, let's talk about that region a little bit, Randy, and what makes it. I mean, 
what makes it so special? Why why is that just such a why do the, the wines that are produced there are so consistently delightful? Well, our our home base is Sonoma County, and Sonoma is touches the Pacific Ocean, so you have that influence of the ocean. That being mostly the 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 fog during the growing season, which is so important. And this is an area that's kind of like the Provence of of France, but in California, where you have a great climate, great vineyards, great wineries, great food, great everything. And th- it is the home base for uh, the Jackson family and, and, and myself. You know, we all live in Sonoma County and, and love it dearly. But the the wine, our, our Vintners Reserve Chardonnay, is a is a, a blend of several different coastal counties. So though it started up in uh, Lake County in the very beginning, it was blended with Monterey and also Santa Barbara. So what's really cool, no pun intended, is all of these counties that we source grapes from are along the cool coast of California, effectively. So up in Mendocino, you know, these these different sort of terroirs and sites give you different attributes uh, within the wine. You get nice sort of uh, crisp green apple tones from Mendocino and ripe apple tones from, say, the Russian River and pear and pear oil from the uh, Carneros region. And then you saunter on down to Monterey, and, and there you have a lot of the lemon and lime tones that you pick up in the wine uh, from that region. And then now, you let, me, let, me, let me cut you off there for a second, or just cut in for a second. And when you're doing, when the blending's happening, is it just a formula at this point, or do you really go in and go, you know what, I think we need a little bit more of this from Monterey, and I think we need a little or is it just at this point, it's just a well-oiled machine, and you're and you're just press a button, and we go. Blend is done. Oh no, 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 no. We no. Uh, that is far from far from the the truth or reality, because we also have a lot of uh, grapes down in in Santa Barbara. So when we're when we're in harvest mode, which we just ended about a week ago, you know, we are all and my you know myself leading the pack. Of this killer team, winemaking team that we have here, are in the vineyards everywhere tasting those grapes. And then when we call the pick, you know, they go into the winery, you know, in a day or two later. But we keep all of the blocks and vineyards separate because there's different clones of Chardonnay, different soils, different different terroirs for that matter. So that at the end of the day, when depending on the year and how much Chardonnay we're going to harvest. We could have 800 to 1,000 different lots of Chardonnay. And then we taste through them all, all the time, and come up with our, with our blends for be it Vintners Reserve or Grand Reserve or the, or the Jackson Estate Vineyard Designates or the Jackson Estate Appalachian. So there is no real formula where you just push a button and say it's not an assembly line situation where the mechanical arm comes in and goes and that much of this and that much of this it's 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 still the human element to it absolutely and we'll put together all you know a little trial blend on the on the table with all these wines and say well it needs a little more of that or a little less of this and off we go i love that now let me go back to something you just said earlier because i I, walk me through this you talked about when it's time to say all right we're going to extract these grapes from the vine. I've always wondered, do you just go out one day and go, yeah, 
Take a sniff in the air. It smells about right. Let's take it. No, how do you know, Randy, when it's time? To, like, is it just looking at it? Is it eyeballing it? Is it where, where, how does this work? Well, it's a little bit of everything, but you don't just go out once. You go out multiple times because you want to, you know, be familiar with those different blocks and clones and kind of understand, you know, where they are this moment and where they can get to. So you're you're looking at at first the uh, the color. You know, we we love our Chardonnay to get this beautiful golden color, and uh, with that said. Um, once you have that, you start tasting the grapes, and you're looking for these great flavors, and and that there's this natural acid in the uh, in the uh, in in the grape too. And so we go after after that. You know, when does it just taste right? And then that's when we say pick it. And obviously, this is your many, many, many years of experience coming in that that informs making that decision. And and, and speaking of which, not only. Did you do you lead the efforts up there? But you've also gone over and and done some stuff for for the Jackson family wines in Chile, in Australia right. as well. Talk a little bit about the differences between winemaking here. When I say here, I mean up in Northern California, and winemaking in Chile or winemaking in Australia. Yeah, so it's, actually in Chile, it's very similar because we have the same Pacific coast and coastline and 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 uh, climatic effects and weather only at six months different. So it's very similar there. Uh, it's, it's not quite as similar over in Australia. You don't have the cold Pacific there. So it's a little bit more temperate, a little, little warmer, but you also, you know, and you get different sort of flavors and nuances and, and actually, you know, in the Southern hemisphere, when you stir your barrels, you know, you, you stir them counterclockwise and in the Northern you stir them clockwise. That's the big difference. <laughs> that's just a joke <laughs> no i get it <laughs> i mean it, have you ever thought to i mean look you've you've had such a you've had such a historic career here was there ever a moment when you thought you know maybe i'll go stay over in australia if you or, uh, let me rephrase that if you could go anywhere that you've uh-huh. not made wine and somebody said we're going to give you a we're going to give you a harvest we're going to give you a season where would you make wine? Oh, you know, well, I'd actually like to try it in um, Burgundy. We have all this experience in the new world, but there is some, you know, a lot of merit in the, in the old world. It'd be fun to, to, to try it there. All right, Burgundy. I, I know some people over there. I'll, I'll put in a good word for you. Okay. Now, one of the other things that stands out about Kendall Jackson is it's, it's, is it still the only American wine company that has a, owner, has a stake in a French stave mill or you do it. You're involved it with the wood. Okay, let's talk about that. What what the wood means and, and being able to control the wood yourself. So we are the only one. We have a half interest in the stave mill with the Boswell family over in the northwest uh, northeast quadrant of France. And by having that, we we guarantee the sourcing. You know what forest the the oak is coming from. That's kind of like uh, you know, there's trees are terroir real based also with their influences that they they can throw onto wines. So we have a guaranteed source of the location, the forest, and then we cut and split and grade them and age them over there. So we, we you've got the forest and you have the grain tightness, and then how long do you age those staves in, in France? And the minimum is two years, uh, and max would be about three years. So we're not going to lie to ourselves. We, you know, we know exactly what we want and what we're getting. And then once we then 
have aged those staves, we bring them over to America, and we have a, over 130 ways to toast a barrel. Whether you want you know more coffee tones, toasty tones, uh, smoky tones, you name it. It's kind of toasting a barrel is kind of like cooking meat. You want to, you know, do it flash flash cook it just on the outside and leave it rare on the middle? Or do you want to do a nice, slow, long toast that takes an hour to really get that penetration into the oak? It's funny you, you say that, Randy, is because I don't think people realize just how much goes into the development of a flavor profile of a wine. It almost seems overwhelming when I hear you talk about it, When you, because it, it isn't just, you know, it, you go from the, you got the terroir, what kind of vines we're using, what kind of grapes we're using, are they this clone, or they that clone, or this, fermentation, all the different things, the barrel. Do you approach it like a chef in a way? Because a chef could probably go, you know, it just needs that little pinch of basil. Is that how you approach the winemaking as well? Like just it is because you have all different yeasts and things like that, and that's what happens in that final that final blending scenario that I was explaining earlier. Where okay, maybe we just need a little bit more of a tropical note, or we need a little bit more of a toasty note, uh, or or a little bit more uh, of a vanilla tone. That's those are the little like chefs chefsy things that winemakers can do. Uh, when they are afforded the opportunity and the luxury of keeping all their lots separate and creating a wine that's unique year in and year out. We strive for quality and consistency, and we do that by having you know similar uh, amounts of, of uh, acres in the different counties, but it's the little nuances that, that we, we, we can play with and enhance year in and year out. Besides quality, obviously, Kendall Jackson's Vintners Reserve Chardonnay has been the best-selling Chardonnay in America for decades, okay? In your opinion, Randy, why has America embraced this particular wine in the way that it has? Oh, gosh. Well, I think that's uh, kind of an easy answer for sure because we we like to have our, our you know grapes ripe. Therefore, the wine is going to uh, portray you know right up front uh, it, it, its aromatics. So you don't need a PhD to understand and enjoy this. You, you look at it, it's got this slight gold tone to it. You smell it, you can smell the fruit. You can smell all these things going on. You might not be able to describe them, but you can smell all kinds of excitement in that glass. And then you taste it and, and it just kind of blows up in your mouth because of the barrel fermentation, fattens it up a bit and riches out the mid palate. And then you can taste everything you smelled. And then the, really the grand finale is when you swallow it and you have that nice long, long lingering uh, flavor, and 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 it take that finish. It just takes a long time to end, and then you know sometimes you just can't believe how long that finish is, and you just have to have another sip, you know. And then you may still not believe how long it is, so you have another sip, and then a couple more sips lead to a glass, and every sip brings a smile to your face because it's just so enjoyable. It's it's a, a it's a an, a an affordable, wonderful wine. Where would you put California Chardonnay? Uh, on the world stage, we, is it the best Chardonnay in your opinion? Is there? Uh... Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> Imagine if you went, that's nah, crap. <laughs> the legend speaks. No, I, I get. I mean, I. But I'm saying, like, if somebody didn't know anything about wine and you just were being completely upfront, you said you want to try the best Chardonnay in the wine, best Chardonnay in the world. Is it California? And what's what's second place? I, I, I'd give them a little bottle of that. 
Oh, speaking of holding up the bottle, I got this for you. All right. Now, I got to ask you this. Folks that aren't listening out there. All right. uh, Let me just tell you what I'm holding up here for Randy. Kendall Jackson Chardonnay. We all agree we love it. This is a 2021. But know what it says on this bottle? Low calorie Chardonnay. 85 calories. I'm going to tell you, I don't know why it bothered me when I got that. I tried the wine and I, it's delicious wine, but it bothered me that that would need to happen. I just kind of feel like if you're going to drink wine, just drink. Like what's the difference in calories between that one and a regular Chardonnay? I think it's about two thirds. So, so 30 more calories. Yeah. Or what does it say? 85. I think so 85, like there's one, 85 calories. What would be in a regular glass? 110? One, one, uh, like 120 oh roughly. All right. And by understand. the way, I'm not knocking you for doing it. I'm just saying, Jesus, come <laughs> on. It's 30 more calories. Why do we got to make a low calorie wine? Why? Well, what if Tell me having, why. Uh, five glasses. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I mean, look, hey, I, you know, the mar- obviously there was a, a demand for it in the market. You wouldn't have done it. It is a smart company. Right, exactly. You know, I just, I don't know. It's a, you know what this goes back to this is an old beef I got to like down here when you get people that's constantly in Southern California uh, vodka soda nobody likes vodka soda really you're just drinking it because you don't want the calories okay right right is <laughs> it been successful for you this low calorie wine it has I mean it's filled a little market niche which we you know we try to keep everybody happy and so by doing that we have you know a small group of people that are tickled pink with it it's similar to to our Avant Chardonnay, which has no malolactic and no oak. There's a certain group of people that, that just want that sort of linear, more steely side of Chardonnay. But the grand, large percentage of the folks love our, our Vintners Reserve, which is, you know, rich, round, but that's the permit. stuff. That's the stuff. And I was, when I, when I, my first thought when I saw the low calorie thing is I thought, well, maybe this is a reaction to that massive boom we had in the last couple of years with the uh, white claws and all these things where people seem to be obsessing almost with the caloric content in these things. And would that be possibly a reaction to that? Like, all right, well, the people that want to sit around the pool and they're just picking up white claws or trulies or whatever, well, we, now we want them to pick up Kendall Jackson Chardonnay instead. Yeah. I mean, we're trying to, as I mentioned earlier, we're trying to you know, keep everybody happy. And if there's an opportunity to, to have more people drink wine by the pool and they want it to be uh, you know, a little lower calorie because of all the sun or what have you, or what, <laughs> I'm not sure of the circumstances, we, we try to have something for everyone. And, and so, yes, it, it just like it, there was a, a call for it. And so we came up with it. And now a word from one of our dream sponsors. Valley Forge Beer, circa 1950s. Watering gardens is my line, says Green Thumb J. McGrew. But when you want to quench your thirst, then here's the thing to do. You ought to make friends with Valley Forge, the beer with a wonderful flavor. Make friends with Valley Forge, do yourself a big favor. It's pale, it's light, it's smooth. It always tastes just right, so you ought to make friends with Valley Forge, the beer with a wonderful flavor. When friends drop in, invite them to make friends with Valley Forge. If they're like most people today, they like a modern beer. A beer that's pale, light, smooth. Yes, they like Valley Forge beer because every drop is brewed especially to suit the modern taste for thirst-quenching refreshment. 
for downright satisfaction, there's just nothing quite like Valley Forge beer. In fact, the most a host can do for friends is serve Valley Forge. So you ought to make friends with Valley Forge, the beer with a wonderful flavor. When did you get the bug? Wine. Like, because now, you know, look, I'm sure you're going to be reflecting on it in the coming months as you get ready to accept this really great honor, you know, American legend. Do you think back to like, man, when did it, how did it all start for me? Well, it all started, uh, I started enjoying wine, you know, probably shouldn't say this, but I will in high school, back in the old days, more than beer that rolled into college. And then I ended up down in South America uh, in when I was 18 and, uh, and to go skiing and realized that that was a big wine country. So I thought I'd died and gone to heaven by landing there. Cause you well, wait, where'd you spectrum. grow? Where did you grow up, Randy? Uh, well, I, I was born in Michigan and raised in Boston, Massachusetts, and then Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania. Then I went off to, uh, Utah, Salt Lake city to okay. study mining airing, and skiing. And that took me down to LA. And so when I was down in Chile and, and really fell in love with wine and wine and food and all of that, I realized that I, I, I had more of a love for wine than I did for mining. And so I needed to change my, my curriculum in a manner where I could get paid to enjoy wine. And voila, here we are. You know, that's now look at you. You're a legend. How'd you meet? <laughs> how'd you meet Jess Jackson? Well, ironically, Jess and I had the same uh, love an attraction to Chile and I had lived there for a number of years and, and he, he learned of that. And also I was making Chardonnay with Cecil Deloach at Deloach Vineyards and just like that style of Chardonnay from West Sonoma County. So he went out and tried to entice me to come work for him. And he talked me into it by, by uh, offering me the opportunity to go back down to Chile and open a winery there and, start a new brand for him down in Santa Barbara uh, called Camelot and reopen the Ed Meats winery. And then uh, after we did all that, uh, he, he said, well, let's keep going and head over to Argentina and Australia and Italy. So I did a lot of that in the first couple of years. And then he asked me to just take over all of Kendall Jackson, uh, which was quite an honor. Uh, at the, at, and to this date, I'm still honored by, by what he's, he's done for me over my lifetime and appreciative of Jess, I mentioned earlier, a seminal figure. If, you know, we'll do the old Mount Rushmore thing. If there's a Mount Rushmore of people in Northern California, we'll, we'll include, we'll include Napa and Sonoma as well. Okay. Jess is on there, right? Jess is for sure. Who else we got on there? Mondavi would be on there for sure. Um, probably uh, someone from the Gallo family would be on there for sure. Uh, maybe one of the Delicato okay. would be there. Uh, I'd have to think a few more minutes uh, <laughs> on that. But be calling me be later. I hope I left yeah. for sure. But but Jess was a Jess was a just a Titanic figure in in terms of and and really if you look it's it was only forty years. It's just pretty amazing what right right what that starting that vineyard. Let, I mean, because initially, I believe they were just growing grapes for other people, right? And then, and then one year, it they, was. yeah, it was like, oh, we'll just make our own wine this one year, and it spawned and virtually, literally, an empire. I mean, it did. Kendall it family did. wines is they're all over. I recently had uh, 
Chris Carpenter on and, you know, and Pierre Seon's an old friend. Like they've, they, under the umbrella there is just a, some of the best wine talent in the world, present company included. And uh, it's pretty amazing to think that all of that happened in the span of 40 years. It's, it's remarkable and amazing. And Jess was, uh, you know, an amazing person uh, with this, you know, infectious energy and enthusiasm. He wanted to better the industry, better everything, make it pure, you know, be more truth in labeling, truth in the wine, truth in the bottling. But he always aspired for, for quality. And, and it was that quality factor that you know, drew him to the coast and to do all of the things that we've done and, and invest in all these other properties and brands and, and, and people. What's your view of what the future holds for wine production in Northern California with what's happening with the climate and all that and the fires and things? How do you feel about what's coming? Are we gonna are we gonna be able to handle this? Are we gonna what's what's what can we expect in the next twenty years or so? Well, I think that as a lot of people are getting into their redevelopment, everyone is rethinking about exactly what they should be planting there, knowing that it needs to last for twenty five years or so. So there is some thought processes that are changing there, uh, based on you know variety and. And, and, and temperatures. You're saying it, there could come a time where a dip, different grape varietals emerge as the dominant grape varietals up there? Uh, no, I don't, wouldn't go that far just yet. You know, like Chenin Blanc and Al, Alberino. Hey. I wouldn't know. But uh, I just think that there, what you plant today in South Napa might be different than what you planted 40 years ago and different than what you will be planting 40 years from now. Okay. So I'm not saying Cabernet and Chardonnay are disappearing. Hell heck no. (laughs) Yeah. Now I asked you earlier about Chardonnay. I I happen to believe I'm personally California Cabernet is my favorite. I know that you're a huge fan as well. Outside of California, where do you go for good Cabernet? Oh, well, you know, I do have this affinity for the Southern Hemisphere, and I think you get Killer Cabs and the Cabernet Bordeaux family of grapes from uh, the Mendoza area in Argentina. Okay. Because of the high elevation and the soils there, uh, they can produce some spectacular uh, Bordeaux wines. Obviously, Malbec being number one, but, but their Merlot and the Cab, it's all spectacular. Randy, you're going out, you're going to have a drink, but you don't want it to be wine. Ah. What's your go-to drink? What are you going to have? You're celebrating something. You want to have a cocktail. What are you drinking? Gin and tonic. Gin and tonic. You got a, yep. favorite, you got a favorite gin? Yeah, Bombay Sapphire. Traditional. Look at that. I love yep. it. The tradition. And plain plain tonic. No, no, none of this fancy stuff. Get a little Schweppes in there? Schweppes is perfect. <laughs> It's perfect. <laughs> um, so, besides the big honor coming up in January, um, which again, congratulations on that. Thank. You. What do you got coming up? Any any exciting news? Anything? You know, when we look, we see the low calorie wine. What's next? Yeah. What, what do we got? Any any surprises coming down the pipe? I don't think we really have any more surprises right now. And there's nothing really in the, in, you know, on the on the cutting room floor as we would say or even in the cutting room 
we're just going to, you know, keep it going with what we're going, what we're doing. Um, you know, we're obviously trying, you know, I said facetiously kidding around, you know, your, your Alvarino and Shannon Blanc. I mean, you know, sometimes we're, people are always talking about new varieties. Are they ever going to take over, you know, what we're doing? No, no way, but they're, they're interesting and fun. And also, you know, blenders for some of the other wines. Our Chardonnay is 100% pure, actually, uh, just to, for you know, for edification purposes. But they're you know, we're always experimenting and playing around with things. And if the, it's kind of like you know, cooking and throwing your spaghetti at the wall, which one's going to stick? Yeah, well, never know. You seem to have figured out what sticks because uh, <laughs> people love that Kendall Jackson, and rightly so. Uh, Randy, this has been a real pleasure talking to you, man. And, uh, again, I, so everybody knows, I mean, you know, there's a lot of wineries in this country, but there are few that have the reputation worldwide that Kendall Jackson has and that have been consistently making wine consistently great. And you're such a big part of that, man. And, uh, congratulations again. On being a legend. Thank you. How does it feel to be a legend? Well, I'm still pinching myself. I don't know if I deserve to be a legend, but uh, we'll make the best of it. I think you should go around after that happens and introduce yourself that way. Hi, I'm Randy Ellum, wine legend. Put that on your business cards. Yeah. I'm I not know. kidding. I would totally do that. If I had so that, there. if they could, any, if anybody ever was delusional enough to give me any award, I'm getting business <laughs> cards printed up immediately. They could be like, you're a mediocre podcast. I would put that on a business card. Hey, I'm mediocre podcaster of the year. Here you go. Uh, but I, oh. something tells me that you're not going to let that go to your head. I am not. Absolutely not. <laughs> well, again, it's been a real pleasure talking to you, my friend. And uh, I look forward to getting up there one of these days and, uh, and tasting a little wine with you in person. I look forward to that, too. Have a great day. And, and thank you. Thanks, Randy. He's a big boy. He knows what he said. What'd you say? You're right. Funny how? What? Just, you know, you're, you're funny. <laughs> you mean, so? man, let me understand this, because I don't, you know, maybe it's me. I'm a little fucked up, maybe. But I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I amuse you. I make you laugh. I'm here to fucking amuse you. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? I'm not just, you know how you tell the story. What? No, no, I don't know. You said it. How do I know? You said I'm funny. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. I'll tell you what's funny. This little podcast that I started in my home two and a half years ago, we have reached the precipice of our 200th episode. That's right. This is 199. The next one's 200. And it's going to be a celebration. I invite you to tune in for it. Also means this episode is done. We're finished. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank Randy Ullum, Kendall Jackson. I want to remind you to follow me at the imbiber on Instagram. I always say Instagram and Twitter, but I don't know about this Twitter. I might be getting off of it soon. I'm, uh, I gotta, I gotta make a decision about that. Feels like a bad place to be, but I'm gonna take my time, deliberate, figure it out. We all got to make our own decisions in this world, don't we? And by the way, speaking of making those decisions, drink responsibly. Always encourage you to do that. You know it. All right. 200. Next episode. The Extravaganza. I hope 
You'll join me for it. Bye, everybody.